This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, I'm Martin Stark and welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints podcast. It's where we get together a panel of Saints experts to discuss all things relating to Southampton Football Club. And we stream each episode of TSP live on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. So if you're watching live on either of those platforms, you can get involved in the conversation using the comments section. Coming up this week on the podcast, it was two away games in the league this week with trips to Burnley and Brighton. We've got a reaction to both on the way. It's the ultimate match of the season at St Mary's this weekend Crystal Palace the visitors so we'll look ahead to that one and what a week for the Saints women's team a league and cup double we'll certainly be discussing that later on but let me introduce you to our TSP guests this week just the two of them Glenda Lacour is the writer of the weekly Saints blog League One minus 10 just back from Brighton everyone's saying what a great away day it was uh, how was it for you Glenn? It was yeah it was decent I mean you should obviously never let the result of the performance ruin a good day out. But <laughs> honestly, if we'd carried on playing like we did the first 40 minutes, <laughs> no, no amount of alcohol or sunshine would have made that decent because the, the first 40 minutes was diabolical. But good day out. Um, lots of people seem to be enjoying themselves. I think uh, there was there's probably more pints per head consumed at that game than any that I've been to since the cup final, I would say. Was it the it sunshine? Was it the sunshine? I think it might have been. <laughs> I, think it, I think it might have been end of season, perhaps. And maybe people were trying to banish the memories of Thursday night in Burnley. But uh, <laughs> but no, it was a, no, it was a, a good day and we got, a, we got a result out of it at the end. So happy days. And Ralph was talking afterwards about the away fans and how great they were. So it was a, a decent atmosphere. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was. I mean, even... Even at two 0 down, and we'd obviously had the you know the unfortunate injury with with Tino mm. as well. No one seemed to be uh, too miserable about things, and everyone was determined to back the team. So it was good, but it certainly helped getting that goal just before half time. That yeah, sort of yeah. gave everyone a boost going into the second half, including yeah. the uh, eleven players on the pitch. But uh, all good. Uh, Steve Grant is also with us, the owner of Saints Web. How's your week been, Steve? You've been on the move again. Yeah, I've uh, been out in Dubai for a week. Yeah, just to make a change. Yeah, not quite been... as sunny as Brighton. <laughs> wow. Well, 
37 degrees says otherwise. All right, yeah, um, yeah it's been, <laughs> been very hot this week. Been a warm one, even more so than usual around here. Decent day with um, load of the Dubai Saints at Brasty Beach Bar. So that was that was a good good afternoon. Yeah. Excellent. The biggest hello and thank you, as always, is reserved to our wonderful patrons, wherever you might be listening or watching live this week. Welcome to episode 195 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenda LaCour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. a little reminder that we're going to be hosting a live podcast in Southampton for our 200th episode. This is going to be on Friday the 27th of May. It's going to be from 7 o'clock at the Five Rivers Bar in Beavers Valley. That's the sports bar. Uh, the evening is going to be supporting the Saints Foundation, so 100% of the ticket proceeds are going directly to that charity. If you're interested in coming along, you can find the links to the event in the description for the podcast, and of course we'll be sharing that on our socials over the next few weeks. So after going two goals down in the first half, James Ward-Prowse helped to salvage a point at Brighton. Glenn, it turned out all right in the end, but that was quite an eventful 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about the Burnley game later on. And you kind of thought there was going to be a reaction today in the same way that there was a reaction against Arsenal to the, the abysmal performance against Chelsea. But the reaction of letting in a goal in less than a minute wasn't exactly, you know, you don't want your centre-half tackling your goalkeeper and giving Danny Welbeck an open goal from three yards. So it wasn't the best of starts. In the first half, we didn't look like we knew how to attack or defend. There was was nothing really going on. um, Tino hit the post, didn't he, just Mm. before he got injured. But other than that, we, you know, we had the we had the injury break, and then Brighton scored again because, you know, we lost the ball high at the pitch and just shambles, just a shambles, and it ends up in an own goal. So the the first half was terrible, and yeah, like I say, we couldn't attack, we couldn't defend, but we've got a guy who can take free kicks, obviously. Mm. And um, I haven't seen it back. It looked like it went. Did it go round the wall or through the wall or kind of went past the wall? Because um, the keeper set the wall up for. Prowse's right-hand side, and he's bent it down the left-hand side. So basically, the side that the keeper should be watching himself. Yeah. But he's he's done the age-old thing of oh, I, I think I know which side he's gonna he's gonna hit it. So I'm gonna take a step to my left. Yeah. At which point he's then scrambling mm. to get back. The mm. goalie didn't look terribly clever from where I was, and the the Brighton and Prow- fans. I, did, I didn't didn't think Prowse hit it particularly well. No. Um. But well one. enough, obviously. Yeah. Mm. The, uh, I spoke to a few Brighton fans on the way out, and they didn't think the goalie exactly uh did himself any favors anyway with it with his movement but that got us to um half time with something to play for and in the second half we were just much better we defended better we were much more aggressive in our defending just got higher up the pitch the you know the midfielders pushed onto theirs a little bit and i think we realized that you know brighton are no great shakes we've just given them two bad goals equalizing was was great i was on about the hour mark wasn't it and uh but from brighton's point of view war prowse has had a free shot from the edge of the box not yeah. marked and I, I felt like we could have pushed on and, and won it but the game kind of evened out after that and the, the last half an hour I think both sides probably could have won it but I don't think anyone really deserved to based on that last half an hour so uh, I think we uh, we take a point happy that we've um, finally reached 40 points and, Hurrah! Uh, yeah <laughs> and we've um, now, we've, now we can probably switch off yeah now we can probably <laughs> get on the bridge and uh, yeah wait till the end of the season 
I mean, what did you make of it all today, Steve? I know you saw this one. Is is a point better than nothing? Yeah, I mean, certainly when you when you um, I mean, great finish by Salasu, by the way, for this for their second goal. Yes, quality. Um, I mean, he he could certainly teach our um, centre forwards how to finish uh, in that sort of position. But um, yeah, I think if you're if you're two 0 down, just just about to head in at half time. And you come away from that game with a point. I think you're you're always reasonably satisfied. I think. I mean, as Glenn said, could have won it, could have lost it. The gross offside was very tight. And again, I mean, that was that was one of our old failings as well, wasn't it? Of basically mm. just giving a guy. I mean, similar to what Brighton did with Prowse's equaliser, really, in that you give a guy that you know can shoot from distance all the time in the world to line it up, and then seem surprised when the ball ends up in the bottom corner. The offside flag kind of came to our rescue there, but yeah, kind of got away with that a little bit. I mean, as Glenn said, second half was a lot better. We were we just looked a lot more, not necessarily like our old selves, but at least looking like we knew what we were trying to do. I mean, so many of these games in the last month or so, we've looked completely lost, as if almost almost as if like it's like that Sunday league Sunday league game where you where you all turn up half drunk from the night before, and you've brought in five ringers because loads of other people haven't. Um, have already cried off, um, cried off sick with hangovers, and you then try and play against the team um, top of the league, mm. and you're all kind of wandering around, sort of not quite sure who's who's got what duties and stuff. Yeah. And and I mean that for just the first half was just abysmal. It, I mean, it really it, looked like we had no plan whatsoever in the first half, and in the second yeah. half, it looked like we all were at least trying to sing from the same hymn sheet. But in the in the we, first half just nothing yeah i mean second half we woke up didn't we and it was it was a lot better and ultimately if we if we play like we did in the second half for the rest of the season then i think we'll be fine and we'll we'll get we'll get some more points on the board and i don't think it's going to be won't be quite the uh, sort of depressing end of the season as as the last well certainly burnley midweek and the uh, mm-hmm. and the chelsea game had suggested it it might be but who knows i mean it's it's one of those you've got a play each game on its merits and we'll see how um how the guys look Saturday afternoon when kick off against Palace because if we start the game well there then we'll have a chance if we do what we did today then we'll be yeah. in trouble again and it's, toast, yeah. it's just oh, it's just so frustrating it's that... interesting you say we were kind of like back to our old selves in that second half I'd almost forgotten what our old selves was <laughs> like it you know it, mm. it seems that long ago and um glenn six changes if that isn't a manager saying he wasn't happy after midweek then i yeah. don't know what was back to the four two 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 formation so yeah. uh salazu livermento redmond uh it was teller adams and long wasn't it all recalled long was an interesting choice um perhaps <laughs> one word for it. what did you make of the of, of the changes and, and the guys coming in well, as I looked down the team sheet, you know, 1 to 11, before I got to Shane Long, I was thinking, well, that's fair enough. You know, Elianusi and Armstrong haven't been great the last couple of games. So, you know, Redmond deserves a go. And I was pleased to see Teller given mm. a start because he he's one that, for me, has a lot to prove. You know, is he is he going to be a useful player going forward or is he going to be another sort of Josh Sims who looks good in patches but never really, never really cements a place down in the team sort of thing. So I was pleased to see him start. Um, and to be fair, he did quite well. When I saw um, Shane Long, I, I just don't understand it, how 35-year-old Shane Long can be uh, the answer to any question that you've got at, at this stage in, of his career at the end at the end of a season. You know, we all know what he can do. We all know what he can't do. And and it was interesting how the game played out because I, I thought Shea Adams had one of, his, one of his best games in terms of holding the ball up, knocking it off. He was absolutely outstanding. 
barely gave the ball away, didn't give the Brighton defenders any, you know, any time to do anything. I thought he had an excellent game. But if he's if he's doing all that, he's not the goal threat. So you need the other striker to be the goal threat. And if the other mm. striker is Shane, with the best one in the world, it, it's you know, it, it's it's not going to work. So so I was surprised that that he was picked. I, I was also surprised that he lasted as long as he did. He, he had a couple of nice touches in the second half, but, you know, he, he is what he is. Um, so, uh, yeah, sorry, I've waffled there. What was the original question? You, no, about just, the, just about the, the starting the, lineup. Yeah. The guys coming in. Yeah, it was great to see Nathan Teller, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I thought he was a bit of a, a bright spark, perhaps. Yeah, I thought he, 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 used his, he used his pace to good effect. There's a couple of times he... Uh, Veltman, I think, was there right back. There's a couple of times he closed him down and he just obviously wasn't expecting him to get there as quickly as he did. And and he won a couple of free kicks and stuff like that and, and generally did well. But he's, you can tell he doesn't play that often because it's it's every game, isn't it? He goes down with cramp or something and, mm. and, and he had to come off in the end. But I, I thought he did a good job and, you know, I hope he gets given another opportunity against, um, against Palace. He certainly didn't play himself out of the team like some mm. of the guys against Burnley clearly did and you know he, he probably deserves another go next week so uh, good luck to him and Steve we were obviously expecting to see some changes but maybe not as many as, as six that that's kind of like cup game isn't it yeah but I think I think part of that was is a reflection on a how badly Thursday went but also b the fact that we had one day fewer preparation yeah, for the game point. Brighton had played on on Wednesday in what was essentially just a training game where they were defending against Man City for um for 90 minutes. So I don't think they've I don't think they'd really other than sort of maintaining a, a sort of defensive shape I don't think they really um had to exert themselves an awful lot whereas ours our game against Burnley was obviously um pretty physical affair that we got ran ran ragged at times and sort of battered and bruised. So I I I yeah I th- I think I was expecting at least four or five. So, yeah, I wasn't wasn't wholly surprised. It was interesting, though, that Bednarek continues to keep his place. Hmm. I mean, at the moment, I mean, other than obviously scoring the goal against Arsenal, I mean, he's in the team to defend and he's not really doing much of it at the moment, which is a slight concern. Although, I mean, let's be honest, he's not alone in that by any stretch of the imagination. But it's interesting <laughs> that he se- he seems to be the one that's that's kind of immune at the moment. Um, whereas previously it was Salasu, and obviously we've seen we've seen he's had a huge tail off in the, in mm. form in the last month or so, um, and was it was weird because I mean he was he was particularly bad first half today, yeah. but actually second half um, was kind of back to his old self and yeah. and um, and looked pretty good. So hopefully all of that's out of his system, and yeah we we're going to need him, aren't we? Move on from there. Him. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's he's he should be the guy that we're building our defence around for the next year or two, um, depending on interest from from elsewhere. But yeah, we'll 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 see how that work how that pans out because yeah, I mean, obviously the the last month has been a bit of an eye opener, I think, for people. Um, I think we all we all kind of assumed that have him having reached a certain level that all of a sudden oh we've got we've got the greatest thing since life spread again. He's going to stay at that level and. Um, that's just what's going to happen. And actually, no, he's, we've mm. got to remember he's still, what, 22. And his form is still going to fluctuate. And that's kind of down to down to the management to kind of harness that as best as possible. Yeah. 
to manage that. Mark's watching on Facebook and he says, why play long when he's not going to be here next season? I'd rather Adam Armstrong was given a game to try and get his confidence up. Yeah. Um, that's the, I mean, that's the argument, isn't it, Glenn? There's a couple of things in there. Is Shane Long going to get a new deal? You know, or is he going to walk away? That's what we assume. And is it more about Adam Armstrong that Shane Long is starting in front of him? Um, I mean, I don't know what Ralph's seeing in training during the week, but Armstrong's obviously not making a case for a start. It's obviously something that we are not privy to because on the face of it, Adam Armstrong, who we paid whatever it was, 15 million quid for, mm. should be starting what are basically dead rubber games to to see if he can get his confidence up, to see if he's going to be you know, fit for purpose for next season. Shane, you would think is going to be leaving in the summer, but sometimes, you know, we've got, we've got Theo Walcott on a psychologist contract and we, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not playing at all. We're, mm. we're, we're paying him X thousand pound a week just to be good in the dressing room sort of thing. And he can't get on a bench with nine people. How many more of those do we need? I mean, we, we, did, we gave Kelvin Davis a contract like that for four years and he, mm. he, he was a non-playing goalkeeper. Um, so surely, Shane has got to be leaving in the summer. I, I would be amazed if he's not. So on the face of it, it, it makes no real sense why he's why he's playing. So, but yeah, it has to be something that that we don't know about either. Training ground, training ground performance. Maybe Adam Armstrong's carrying an injury. Who knows? It's it's a strange one. It certainly doesn't doesn't make sense to me. I can understand why Breyer was left out after the after the Burnley game, but mm. I think I was. Uh, I was surprised, you know, when I, when I was initially reading down the team sheet before I got to Shane's name, I thought, oh, Teller's up front. And then yep. you see Shane's name, you think, oh, no, he's not. And, and it was just, um, yeah, it's just a, just a bit of a surprise. I, you know, I would have thought there would have been other options. And as it stands, Steve, Long and Brozier are both going to be leaving in the summer. So it's going to be Adam Armstrong, Chad Adams up front next season, unless we go out and, and splash some cash. So Lewandowski's available. <laughs> Test of the new owners. So can you... Can you see a reason why he's not playing, Steve? Is there anything that, that jumps out that we've missed? Because it, it, it's baffling. No, I mean, I, I think it can only be what what he's seeing in training. And also, mm. to be, I mean, to be, to be fair to Shane Long, um, I mean, I think we we all probably thought that we'd, prob we'd barely see him in the, as a first-team player this season. Yeah, when he came back from loan as well. Yeah, he'd, he'd been, the, been, on loan, well. been on loan at Bournemouth and... Hadn't I mean he'd done all he'd played a couple of games to start with and then got injured and and that was kind of his season done. But I think everyone kind of expected that having been allowed to go out on loan for that period, the same would probably happen for for the for the whole of this season. And actually, he's he's actually proven a very useful useful addition, particularly when we were having those run of games Christmas, New Year, sort of January, February, where you've got all basically two two or three games a week constantly with cup games thrown into the mix as well he was he was very useful in terms of being able to ensure that we didn't have to stick off our first choice strikers out every game all the time hmm. and i mean we got through that period actually with with a lot of good results it was weirdly once we once we got through it that we that we then started playing badly. So I, I actually, given given his given his performances, I w actually wouldn't be surprised if we gave him another year. Mm. Um, I can I can I can 
kind of just envisage Glenn uh, panicking suddenly. <laughs> but no, it, it gen- genuinely wouldn't wouldn't part time player, part time ambassador, maybe. Yeah, just, yeah. With a work off well, well, there's, well, there's, there's a there's a space for an ambas- ambassador, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, perhaps him and Theo can do it one week each. Franny's doing it all at the moment. Glenn, the best thing about today was it the character? Do you think to come back from from being two down? Because we don't see that very often. Uh, I, I, just that we put a performance in. You know, in the in the second Eventually, half, just, uh, yeah, but... yeah. If if I think if we'd been two 0 up and it ended up two two, you it would feel completely different. But it, you've come away from it thinking, yeah, we did well in that second half, and and we can go into the next game and with a with a little bit of positivity. I mean, the, you know, the the, the the positive again is 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 War Prowse. I mean, you know, hmm. two goals, the standard free kick, which was obviously a little bit different, and um, you know, that was a that was a good good shot from the edge of the box that's you know I, I dread to think where we'd be without him and I think he's now our top scorer which kind of yep. highlights mm-hmm. another problem that we've got you know again I was talking to the Brighton fans on the way home and they were bemoaning their obvious lack of a of a goal scorer you think about it we're, we're really no different we, we've got Che and Armando Broja have got sort of six ish mm-hmm. each and our top scorer is now a central midfielder who spends most of his time patrolling in front of the back four very, very similar in that regard. It's a, it's a horrible thought. You just hope that with the World Cup coming up, he's, he's quite happy to stay at Saints this season, and no one comes in with a huge amount of money for him because without him, we'd be struggling big time. What were the positives to take away from today, Steve? The result, I think, is is a positive, as I say, given where we were at forty-four minutes in. Hmm. But other than that, as I say, it was, it was, it was a bit more cohesion. Because I mean, Burnley, we looked a we looked an absolute rabble for the for the vast majority of that first ten minutes. We were very good, and then as soon as they score with their first shot, all of a sudden we just collapse into a into a bit of a mess, which we never really recovered from, to be honest. Whereas today, at least when we went two 0 down, there wasn't that sort of defeatism. I mean, there's I mean, we've we've mentioned it in the past, haven't we? Fairly recently, that this season hasn't been like other seasons where you knew that as soon as we concede one, there would be sort of two, three, four to follow and that that there was absolutely no chance that we were getting ourselves back into a game. Whereas now, you, when we concede first, you do still think, okay, well, okay, it's not, it's not a hammer blow that all of a sudden our confidence is going to be shot to pieces. And, and now we're, we're kind of hanging on for the next, um, next five or 10 minutes to, to see how, how many we, we let in, in this period. So I think getting back to that that part part of our sort of attitude, if you like, is positive. Other than that, I mean, we were we were all right, but it was it was still one of still one of those performances where we could easily have lost, could easily still have lost that game even yeah. after dragging it back. Um, it's a forty-five. Defend, I mean, it's a forty-five minute performance, isn't it? It's not. A, it's yeah. not a full ninety. Yes. We're I mean, defense, because... Defensively, we are still a train wreck. We're, 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 um, is it four games left to go? Um, we've just got to 40 points and we get a point away at Brighton and we're going, it's all right, it's not a disaster. That kind of sums up the season really, doesn't it? We're going to have to talk about Thursday night, a dreadful result away to a team who were in the bottom three and without a manager. Glenn, I guess after a solid performance against Arsenal, this was always going to happen, really. Well, it shouldn't have done. Where do we start? Team selection was mind-blowing. All I can think is that he wanted to reward the players who played well against Arsenal, you know, who got the result against Arsenal. But it's a completely different assignment. You know, Burnley away is completely different to Arsenal at home. 
that's so and, I and don't there's, think... there's an argument we didn't even necessarily play particularly well in that game yeah absolutely absolutely but one thing that did happen in the Arsenal game is that we offered absolutely no threat going forward so the same 11 players against Burnley offered next to no threat For, you know 10 minutes we did okay as Steve said earlier but and then once once the goal went in we, we didn't do anything same as the Chelsea game didn't do the basics didn't win headers didn't win tackles tracking closing down a wingers I mean that was that was the thing we highlighted last week about Burnley we made Burnley look like prime Barcelona at times which was ridiculous because we just weren't at it um and all their threat came from crossing the ball into the box which was always going to be the case they've got a six foot six center forward they're always going to be loading balls into the box I mean it's a great goal by Connor Roberts but Dwight McNeil had tried to do exactly the same shot two seconds earlier and Mm. we didn't we didn't react to it. You know, we, we sent him inside and let him have a shot with his left foot and bang. Did I read it's his weaker foot and he's only had three shots all season? That was, um, sounds, that kind of... sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Rob, Roberts, I, I mean, I don't think Roberts had ever scored, scored no. a senior goal before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brilliant goal. Yeah. That was a great finish. I mean, particularly with, with your wrong foot, but yeah, it's just, is it one step yeah, I mean, forward there's... and then two steps back, Steve? That kind of sums up the season as, as far as I'm looking at it now. You <laughs> one good game and then it's like another couple of steps back and here we are again. I mean, that one that one kind of felt like um, felt like we kind of jumped off the wall as opposed to having steps having steps in place. Everything was so predictable. Like everything that Burnley threw at us was it was exactly as you would as you would have analysed it like in the in the three or four days before the game, and they'd have sat through endless videos of. Burnley overloading the full, uh, fullbacks and allowing Charlie Taylor and um, Dwight McNeil to put crosses in. And when it comes to Thursday night, oh, look, we're letting them do it. It was just ridiculous. I mean, I, th- I think the one, the, the only one thing that I think you look back in hindsight and say, well, actually, we should probably, someone should just have done something there, was so from the Roberts goal came as a result of Lianco blocking McNeil's shot with basically with his face. If he'd gone down in the same way that Burnley did, what, three times in that second half? Yeah. Holding his face, the ref would have been obliged to stop the game. Head injury. And, and, and yeah. yeah, and they wouldn't have scored. And then second half, you get two occasions where basically we we have the ball in their penalty area, but someone has gone down like a, like a sack of spuds. Um, hold some part of their head and the referees just automatically stop play because he feels duty bound to do so. You then get into this sort of vagary of the laws of the game whereby if play is stopped when the ball is in the penalty area, the ball automatically returns to the defending team regardless of who was in possession. So obviously those two occasions, Burnley got the ball back, whereas mm. we, were, we were the guys on, on the attack. I mean, let's be honest, we wouldn't have scored anyway. No, um, the way the way we played Thursday night, but we still be playing now. <laughs> oh yeah, quite possibly. You can kind of see why why the law was written in the way it was, but ultimately, teams that kind of think about it a little bit, as Burnley very clearly have, will use it to their advantage. And yeah, yeah we we got we got completely screwed over twice there. It's gamesmanship, isn't it? I mean, it's like you know we had the old energy drink thing, which we which we did to death at the time. And mm. but both those Burnley players who went down, or three of them, whatever it was, they both recovered quick enough, so the trainer didn't have have to come on, so they didn't have to leave the pitch. Yeah. So yeah, there was yeah. absolute. So basically, just by going down, they won possession. Mm. That was the that was the net result of that. And there was no there was no injury. I mean. Surely, if you're going down saying you've got a head injury, you should have to leave the pitch to have some sort of head injury assessment. 
that would stop that at a stroke, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, the game, the game doesn't. Mostly. Yeah, the game doesn't doesn't take concussion anywhere near seriously enough anyway. No. No. And needs to do more. And yeah, certainly there should be a concussion assessment with an allowable sub, I think, on a temporary basis for the five or 10 minutes that's required to, to do that. But of course, if you're Burnley and James Tarkowski's the guy who's gone down to try and stop uh, to stop the game with a uh, claim he's got a head injury, he's he's probably not going to actually he's not going to do that um, mm. in future because. He's their best centre back, so they're not they're not going to want him off the pitch for ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. The first goal was a a poor one to concede. The second goal, um, I know you took a bit of an issue with this uh, <laughs> yeah. this Glenn. Um, well, first of all, it's like, well, is it a foul on James Ward Prowse? But also Jack Cork interfering with play, and they were checking it from every angle. Wow. And I, you, you I seem to Steve be. Uh... Steve will probably have a better idea than me about the wording of the offside rule these days. But for me, <laughs> he's headed it down. Is Cork offside in an offside position? Yes, he is. You know, there's no one. There's no one playing him onside. They seem to be talking about whether he actually touched the ball or not, or whether he did or whether he didn't. The ball was going straight to him, and he's jumped out of the way. So he's in Fraser's eye line without a doubt, even though it's slightly to the side. So I have no idea how on earth they can say that's not offside and he's not interfering with play, because it seems to me now that if you take that to its ridiculous furthest limit he can stand directly in front of the goalkeeper and as long as he jumps out of the way when the shot comes in that's fine mm. that's the way that it seems to you know it, it seems to it seems to play out for me if 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 you're going to interpret the rules that way Stuart Atwell I don't know who was on who was on VAR it's probably John Moss I don't know but uh, I don't I don't know who was on VAR but I don't see how they can give that one as a goal but as we were talking about with the, the head injuries and all that it wouldn't have made the slightest difference to the result of the game and it, it didn't matter. I mean, I guess it was an early, you know, it was an early end to the game, if you like, being, <laughs> making it 2-0 because we were never going to get two goals. I wondered if Oriol Romeo was going to get any closer to put ahead of wide um, with those two chances <laughs> that he missed. I mean, Well, he had, one, that, he had one today as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that, that, but that was basically, you know, that was basically all we did up there. It was a rubbish game. I thought the referee was rubbish. I thought the team selection was rubbish. I thought everything about it was rubbish, really. And yeah, and thankfully we got a point today. A couple of other bits just on, on that game. I think, Steve, when you're playing against a team that are fighting to stay in the league like they are, surely the minimum you have to do is match their work rate. And we just don't seem to be able to do that for some reason. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think we do tend to have these just occasional games where all of a sudden just nobody seems to have any energy. There doesn't even seem to be any logic. There's no. There's no pattern. It's. It's not. Oh, we play against a certain type of team, therefore we've got no. Um, nothing in the tank. Burnley were. I mean, to be fair, I mean, since since Deitch left, actually, Burnley have played pretty well. They've lost um, it. Seven points uh, they, out of nine. They, yeah, so they so they beat beat Wolves beat Wolves today. They got they got a draw again away at West Ham, which they probably should have won, mm. and they've beaten us. I mean, I've seen two of their two of those three games, and actually, they've been energetic. They've not been as direct as as they have been in the past. They looked as if they had an actual game plan, and part of that was getting back to the old. I mean, one of the one of the things that Burnley always used to do when they were proper sort of eyesores to watch was that they'd be in your face and they would be like the energy would be there. They they'd always be sort of putting pressure on you. So there's no no easy pass. Yeah, and I think for whatever reason, because 
because Burnley had kind of slumped a little bit and weren't really hadn't been playing that way in the sort of last few games under Sean Dyche, that maybe we thought, well, okay, they're not going to press us very much, so therefore this is the way we're going to approach this. Whereas actually, what ended up happening was that they were pressing us all over the place, and we didn't really know know how to cope with it. Particularly once once we got through the first ten minutes, where where actually we were on the front foot, all of a sudden Burnley took a step took a step forwards and said, no, we're not going to let you impose yourselves. And also, and then we kind of sat back and went, oh, we weren't expecting that. Hmm. Yeah. A couple of things. Out. We talked about the starting lineup, Glenn, and, and the fact that we didn't change it. You know, there's the old adage mm. about not changing a, a winning team and actually maybe they'd earned the right to start. When it isn't working and you don't make a change until 65 minutes, that's the thing that fans start to go, hang on a minute. He needs to it, make a change was, here. We're not quite was, sure what's going on. It was strange. I, I don't understand the, the starting lineup because, as I said, the playing the three at the back means you've only got you've got wing backs and they're loading crosses into the box from their full backs and from their wide midfielders. Autom- automatically, the full backs instead of having a midfielder to contend with, you know, in our normal formation, they they didn't have that, and it's the full back who scores the first goal. I, I didn't understand it. I, we never looked like scoring really. Um, and we kept three centre-halves on the pitch for the entire 90 minutes. So I do think that with about half an hour to go, Ralph probably gave up on it and thought this this isn't going to happen. Let's just let's just save save people for um, for Sunday's game. We had the chance, didn't we? When the two subs he did bring on, Redmond and Adams, Redmond put a really good ball over and Adams did his usual and smashed it straight at the goalkeeper. He needs to but, start scoring um, those, doesn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... Even just, yeah, a foot either side. Yeah. The keeper's not saving it from that it's, range. I mean, he, he's, he, he clearly can't do it deliberately, but he just he just seems to smash mm. it straight at the goalkeeper every single time. And, and as Steve said, a yard either side, even if he shanked it, he'd be um, he'd be scoring 15 goals a season and, and said, what's he on, six or seven? It's uh, mm. No, it was just, as I said, it was just just bad rubbish the whole, the whole game really i didn't i didn't understand really what what ralph was going with um at the start and it 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 didn't work out and it, it's another one that i think he if he's honest with himself he has to he has to look at it and go yeah well i didn't i didn't do great there it's a reminded me a bit of the the villa game when when we got beat 4-0 and he changed to the the sort of diamond midfield and and that that didn't work either and we were re- equally bad in that game but mm. um but yeah, there you go. We we move on. We did better today anyway. Was it the three games in a week? Do you think, Steve, does that come into play a little bit with the um, the extra the, the, the midweek game and having to think about the weekend and the recovery time? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it I think it comes into it a little bit. But at the same time, Burnley had the same schedule. Brighton had the same schedule. So it wasn't it wasn't as if we were massively disadvantaged. Brighton had an extra day, but they were playing Man City. I mean, how much? I mean, as I said earlier, obviously they were, it was a kind of just a defensive show in kind of sort of training mode, really attack against defense where, I mean, I don't know how much, how much that takes out of you physically. I think it's, I think it's more mentally. Yeah. Um, those, those sort of, those sort of games are where you're just mentally exhausted from continually having to check over your shoulder to see where, where Sterling's run to, where Mares has run to, where Bernardo Silva's run to. Whereas they looked, I mean, physically they look they look pretty fresh from the kickoff. Whereas we, well, didn't. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I mean, the one the one thing I didn't get with Burnley, why the hell was that on a Thursday? There was no reason for that to be played on a Thursday. Again, comes back to this nonsense with the Premier League just treating fans like absolute dirt. 
Yeah, yeah. Crystal Palace next. Um, Glenn, they've had an all right season under Patrick Vieira on the face of it. But when you start to delve a little deeper under the bonnet, maybe not. I think I and a few others were expecting them to struggle this year. They've done better than, than we would have expected, perhaps. I think the notion that they would struggle is because they've struggled the last couple of years under Roy Hodgson. And they were eye-wateringly bad to watch. And they, they've had the same problem for a couple of years that is Wilfred Zaha or no one, mm. you know, to cause you any problems up front. But this year, they do seem to have sort of more options. You know, Mateta looks a handful. Is it Elise? Mm. Elise, how you pronounce it? He looks a decent player as well. So they've got more options. And it's a bit of a transitional season, I guess, for them. Patrick Vieira's first season in the Premier League as well. I, I think they've done okay. They haven't been any, usually once a season, Palace are looking like, you know, bottom six um, may slip into the bottom three, but they haven't really been anywhere near it this season. So I would say it is an improvement to to what they've normally done. They got to an FA Cup semi-final as well. Mm. And it, it it certainly won't be an easy game. It, Palace always tests you physically. So if we, like we did against Burnley, just don't do the basics, then we're going to get beat. It's as simple as that. You, you know, you have to. They're a good enough side now that you you have to defend properly. You can't get away with a couple of people not being at it. You have you have got to be in their face the whole time. We know Mr. Zaha can be wound up, but I, I just think they've got a little bit more about them this year. They a couple of players that they seem to have had kicking around for ages, like Milivojevic and MacArthur. I don't think they've been as regular this season. They've tried to sort of move on with slightly slightly more talented players. So. Um, I think overall, there'll be um, most fans at Palace will be quite happy with their season and, and looking forward to seeing what they do next year. Two all at Selhurst Park back in December, Steve. It's not going to be an easy one this weekend. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how. I mean, obviously they they don't play this weekend until tomorrow night against Leeds. It'll be interesting to see how they uh, respond to basically not turning up for their FA Cup semi-final like we did last last season, mm. because obviously we didn't respond to that particularly well. I mean, Palace are similarly safe in mid-table. They're they're not going down. Um, they're not going to qualify for Europe. So essentially, they are playing for tenth, maybe. But it's it, again, it comes down to whether whether that is actually something that top-level players actually aim for. Do is there a and it, and this this applies to us equally? Um, is there actually a desire from players to finish ninth as opposed to finishing twelfth? Does that does that make any difference to, to players or is it all about either you win something or you don't? I don't know. I mean, I think certainly the top players, it's all about winning stuff. I mean, while we've got good players, they're playing for us and Palace respectively for a reason. Mm. Um, and they're not, they're not at the, uh, at the very top of the game yet. Uh, some might do, but at the moment they're with us and that reflects kind of the level and, and also part, partly the, the sort of mentality, I think, of of these players, but I think we'll, we'll we'll probably have a better idea of what Palace are going to be like after tomorrow night. But if they if they put in another limp performance against Leeds, I think we've got every chance of of taking advantage of that on Saturday because it may well be that their players have just said, right, we're done for the mm. season. Let's just let's just coast through. Given the plaudits that a lot of their players and the manager have had over the season, would, their fans would be quite disappointed with that because I mean. Vieira's had rave reviews. Conor Gallagher rightly has had rave mm. reviews. Uh, Eze and Mateta and Elise and 
And even defensively, Johansson, who they signed for pretty big money, like 25 million or something mad, and mm-hmm. uh, Gahey alongside him, who they got from Chelsea for, for a similar fee, they've all been touted and sort of lauded at various stages during the season. And if that team then suddenly finishes 14th or 15th, you kind of think, well, I mean, have they really done anything this year? Not quite so sure. And I mean, to be fair, the same applies to us. Um, <laughs> if, if we if we limp horribly over the line as we have done in a number of uh, a number of seasons past, then you can't say, well, I mean, quite frankly, what was the point of all that? Well, we said last week when we were doing the predictions, we were kind of joking about, well, we're almost better off predicting what team's going to turn up. Little did we know what was going to happen on on Thursday night. Um, Steve, I think you predicted a draw today, so I'll give you the honour of going first for the Crystal Palace prediction for the weekend. If you're watching live, by the way, stick your um, stick your score predictions in the comments. What do you reckon, Saints against Palace? I mean, we can't defend, so we're not going to keep a clean sheet. But I think Palace will give us chances. So, to be honest, I'll go for another two all. That'd be uh, be entertaining at least. Entertaining game. Um, Glenn? Just like to say, this is the most pointless part of the podcast. Um, but <laughs> in amongst a lot of pointlessness, this is the most pointless bit. The bar um, is quite low. The bar is low, yeah. We'll go, um, yeah, this is, a second, this is a second time in a row I've agreed with what Steve said. This is a chance up. to pick up some points on Dan, who's not here. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm not helping, am I? Oh, no, um, I'll, I'll go for a 2-1 win. Don't okay. ask me why. All right. Yeah, I, th- I think we, you know, we can defend well enough to only, only let in one horrendous goal, and uh, hopefully Fraser will perform a madness and keep the score down. And uh, yeah, we can nick it. There has been some positive news this week, and that's the Saints women's team. Um, Charles Patrick says, I've just joined you from a happy bus full of Saints fans on the way back from our cup win. Uh, I think Chris Walker is watching as well. So hello to everybody who's watching on that bus. Great result during the week against Portsmouth, 2-0. 5,100 fans at St Mary's for that game, which was brilliant. So they got the promotion playoff against Wolves to come. And then obviously um, a great 3-0 win today against Huddersfield to uh, to win the League Cup. It's it's brilliant to see, Glenn, but you were looking into the the sort of the makeup of the league and, and what might happen should we win that playoff and and the bottom yeah. of the, the league. It, it, it's it's not easy, is it? I, I think it's I mean, the rules were set at the start of the season, so you can't really complain about it too much. But I think it's absurd that in what is still basically quite a new setup in, you know, in the women's game, that you can win the league by as far as Saints have done and by as far as Wolves have done in the north. And they're obviously two very good sides in in the context of of the, the leagues that they're in. And they don't both get promoted. It just seems absurd, especially when you look at the bottom of the championship where you've got Coventry who have been deducted 10 points and they've also only won three games all season. And you've got Watford who, as it stands, are going to stay up and they've only won two games all season. So surely it's about making the women's game as strong as possible. Now, I know that, you know, when COVID hit, there was you know, some teams got sort of special dispensation. I think we were one of them and got moved up a league. I'm I'm kind of hoping that regardless of who wins or loses this playoff game, that both Saints and Wolves end up in the championship next season just to just to make it stronger. But as as it stands, we just have to assume that we have to have this um this one off playoff in Stockport or wherever it is, which is slightly well, absurd on the face the of it. Thing- you, 
Yeah, the, the traveling is insane, isn't it, Steve? I was yeah. going to say, you know, safe journey back to everybody. I think it was Birmingham today. They're traveling back. Yeah, from, so, so, we, Solly, Solly Hole today. We've got to go past Wolves to play Wolves. It's, it, that's, yeah. it doesn't make any sense, does it? It was, I mean, that's, I, I think I've, for that one, I've kind of got a bit of sympathy with, with the league in that basically it was the only sort of suitable venue that was available that, um, that weekend. Mm. I think there's like the, by all accounts, they'd looked at places like Milton Keynes, even Bur- like Birmingham, Coventry. Um, oh, single ground in London. <laughs> well, I don't know. It, I, I, I guess the problem when, when you get into London is cost. Hmm. While there are a lot of clubs that are throwing money around in the women's game, the, F, the FA and the leagues are skint. So from what I gather, Stop, uh, Stockport gave up Edgeley Park for free. Okay. Um, so I think that probably had a fairly significant bearing on it. But you can be sure that there will be a great number of fans there because I thought the attendance on that that Wednesday night was was brilliant, That's and they're, they're they're in form. You know that they got the, the momentum behind them. So fingers crossed. Yeah, they're they're clicking at the right time, aren't they? They've um, they've put together put together some results and they've they've had they've had some difficult games they had to go had to go back up to Ipswich again I think that's the third time they've played them away this season mm. played them in two cup competitions and and won one lost one um and came from behind to win that league game so that was that was a sort of gutsy turnaround in the second half of that game and I think that one has kind of been the the catalyst for them Kind of almost coasting through now the 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 rest of these games because by the sound of it today's game against Huddersfield was I think it was three um, 0 in the end but sounded mm. uh, like it probably was a little bit more comfortable than that I mean that Pompey game on on Wednesday I mean that genuinely could easily have been seven or eight mm. and yeah I, I I mean don't know whether it's something about pulling on that red and white striped shirt that. Um, make centre forwards miss chances, but, um, <laughs> but I mean to be fair, they've the, the women have the women have been scoring scoring goals for fun this season. Yeah, at least one um, of the teams is. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah, we've actually had a few nine nils in our favour, <laughs> haven't we, this year? So that's uh, yeah. And that, as Chris that's, points, it's been, been good to see. Chris points out it doesn't bother the women's team playing three in a week. Um, they've pretty much been doing it every week since the beginning of March. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, good to see, and we wish them well. Thanks for joining us this week. Before we say goodbye, a shout out to some of our much-loved patrons. Uh, thanks, as always, to them for their support. And our Matt Letizia tier, we've got Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Phil Cook, and Nick Higston. In the Francis Benali tier, we've got Nick Reed, Matt Hall, and David Melton. To find out more about becoming a TSP patron and all the benefits that come with that, then do check out the website during the week. Um, thanks, Steve. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you're listening. On the socials, it's at Total Saints Pod. You'll find us on Twitter and Facebook. You can always drop us an email via the website as well. It's great to hear from from you and don't forget the tsp 200 live show is going to be happening on friday the 27th of may we'll be at the five rivers sports bar in support of the saints foundation the link to buy tickets is in the description for the podcast thank you so much for listening this week take care everybody and we'll see you again soon away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.